0: Well, i want to look at several passages of Scripture today. We're going to continue the theme of uh, the latter days. It's a, Eschatology is the formal term for it. It simply means last things. We're studying last things. Today, I want to go a little different direction, though. And uh, before we do that, I also wanted to acknowledge a, a couple of special guests that we have here today. My my mother is here from Texas, and she is she's right up here, and her her best friend Nancy, who who likes to also boss me around. <laughs> it's like having having two moms, you know, both of them. And then what's really funny they'll they'll Conflict in telling me what to do and I'm trying to do, you know, which one do I do? Then they start saying, no, do what I say. Anyway. We, study, we studied a couple of weeks ago about there's evidence in Scripture that we're living in what the Bible calls the last days. We see prophecies coming to pass. We see things around us in the world. We, we see persecution on the church. We see uh, various... Uh, earthquakes and disasters and all these things that the Bible speaks about will take place in the last days. And, And we focus on the fact that even now the church is experiencing tremendous tribulation in most parts of the world. There's over 260 million Christians that are living in countries where persecution is coming upon them. There's eight Christians a day in the world that are murdered, they're martyred for their faith. We also see uh, imprisonment. We see churches being burned. We see persecution. So there's a warning there that things may get worse, even here in the United States, than what we think before the Lord comes back. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, that this, that wasn't a really joyous sermon. But today I want you to turn to somebody and say, Pastor's got a joyous sermon. I, I, I want to encourage you today with another last day's topic. So many times we get caught up in speculation when we read in Revelation about the two witnesses. Well, who, who do you think the two witnesses are? Or we, we get caught up in the, who is the, the, the beast? Or who, who, what is the actual you know, mark of the beast? You know? and, and there's different ideas, there's different theories, there's different things. And they're fun to study. But I like to study things that I know this is what God's Word speaking is going to take place. And so today we're going to look at one of those topics. I want to talk to you about the latter rain in the last days. The latter rain in the last days. Some of you have probably studied the topic of the latter rain in Scripture. Others, it may be new to you. So I want to look at several passages of Scripture today. I want to begin with Joel. Joel chapter 2, then we're going to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. Pastor Mitch referred to that text just a few weeks ago. And then Joel chapter 2 is quoted in Acts chapter 2. Peter takes what what is being prophesied here in Joel chapter 2, and he relates it to the church. And so I want us to see that latter rain is not just a, a term speaking about the rains in Israel it was that, but the prophets take that term and they take it from the, the the physical rain and they bring a spiritual meaning to it. And so I want us to see the spiritual meaning of the latter rain in the last days let's begin with Joel chapter two let's uh, jump down to verse twenty three and pick pick up the the prophecy there, be glad then you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God for he has given you the former rain faithfully and he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Now the former rain was the rain for planning. It was the rain that, that came and and enabled the soil to be tilled and for the crops to be planted. The latter rain was the rain that brought the harvest, that was there before the harvest, that, that enabled the harvest to be gathered in, a great harvest. The threshing floor, verse 24, shall be full of wheat and the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. So there it's speaking about the fruitfulness that comes from the rain. Verse 25. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, and the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. I want us to look at a couple things there. He he begins to describe what they had experienced, and there were different types of locusts that had come and devoured the fruit, devoured the vines. They had... They were different types. So one would come through. A great wave of locusts would come. And then the tendency would be, well, what do we have left? And then all of a sudden, another group of locusts would come through. And then another one and another one. So there was nothing left. Everybody say, nothing left. Now what I want us to see also here, immediately after that, God says, My great army which I sent among you. Now, that sounds like God's getting even or God's vindictive that He's upset with Israel. Well, God was upset with Israel. They were turning their back against God. But God isn't vindictive. What what He's talking about there is the fact that when we choose our own way, when we choose to go another direction away from the Lord, then we come out from under His hand of protection, His overshadowing mercy and grace above our lives. And we, we choose to come out from the things of God, and guess what? We're opening up ourselves to the things of the enemy. And so church, don't, don't think that God's running around just looking for you to mess up so that He can get even with you, because that's not the heart of God. But if we continue to run away from the Lord and do our own things and go our own direction, we come out from under the mercy and the blessing and the grace of God's over. In fact, it talks about the in lamentations. It, it talks about the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Church, we need that mercy of God every morning. Amen. We do. And so this passage, God is 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 speaking to them and he's reminding them that He's the one still in control. Amen? That the locusts are His. He's allowing this to come, but they brought it on themselves. Church, there's a message there for our nation too, because our nation has turned its back on the things of God. We're coming out from under God's mercy and grace. Guess what? Then things begin to take place that we don't enjoy, right? Verse 26, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame when you shall know that I then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel I am the Lord your God and there is no other church there is no other god time and time again in scripture it makes it clear it's not that we come against people that are of other religions but church there's no there is no other god it's not an idea that we are just trying to be exclusive and say there is no other way god says there's no other way amen in church we need to stand up for what is true We love those that are caught up in other religions. But religion doesn't make you right with God. A relationship with the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ makes you right with God. He says, I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions and also on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth Blood and fire and pillars of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. We're going to look at some more verses in that in more detail later on. But I also want you to jump over to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. Zechariah also takes the, the term latter rain, and he brings it into a spiritual picture for us. That it's not just the meteorological effect of rains coming, it is more than that. It's a picture of how God comes. Verse uh, 1, chapter 10. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain. Grass in the field for everyone. For the idols speak delusion. And diviners envision lies. And tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore the people wind their way like sheep. They are in trouble because there is no shepherd. Then these verses in Joel, in Acts chapter 2, we could read through that, but I'm not going to for time's sake. But he takes that and brings it into a spiritual context and applies it to the church. Also, the prophet Hosea, in chapter 6, verse 3, says, he speaking of God will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. So all of these Old Testament prophets take what is a meteorological event, a natural occurrence, the way God created things, and they say it's more than that. When when scripture is speaking about latter rain, it is more than just the rain that was needed for the crops. It speaks of how God comes down, how His Spirit is poured out upon His people. Now, this isn't an invention of human theology. I want you to understand that. If you study these passages, and there's also others, they point to this fact. It's not something that Pastor Milt was studying and said, hey, this is neat. I think I'm going to interpret it this way. No, we see these prophets of God all taking this truth and pointing it and making it spiritual in Zechariah let's look back in Zechariah chapter 10 verse 1 and 2 it says the Lord will make flashing clouds I love that it says if we ask for rain in the time of the latter rain first of all it's telling us don't take God moving for granted are you with me Because it was natural that there would come a time of rain before the harvest, to prepare the harvest, that the latter rain would come and it would prepare for for God's people to gather in the harvest. It was a natural occurring event. And Zechariah is saying, don't take it for granted, ask God for rain in the time of the latter rain. Now spiritually, that speaks to us today, and it says that as God's people, we Get out on our knees. We cry out to the Lord. We pray that just because we see in Scripture and you've promised that you're going to pour your spirit out in the last days, Lord, we're going to humble ourselves before you. We're going to cry out and we're going to say, God, pour your spirit out upon us in the last days. And look at the answer. Look at the answer that the Lord gives us. It says, the Lord will make flashing clouds He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Now, it's pretty rare for us to have lightning here in Alaska, but every once in a while we do. But growing up in Texas, when we would see those thunderclouds and that that bright lightning crossing the sky, we knew that there was going to be what we would call a downpour or a, a gully washer. That was the Texas slang for, it was going to pour down rain. It was going to come in buckets. (laughs) Amen? And so this is what God is saying to us here. He's using lightning in a positive way, and he's saying, if you humble yourselves and you ask and you pray for a downpour, I'm going to give you a downpour. Turn to somebody today and say, if we pray, God's going to give us a gully washer, Some of you have never said that before. Now look at verse 2. This is where he takes it and makes it evident that he's speaking spiritually. He's saying we need to pray for the latter rain. And when we do, that God will answer and he will bless and bring fruitfulness. It talks about grass in the field for everyone. So there's great fruitfulness when God pours out His Spirit. But look at verse 2. For, that's connecting it, the reason why, the idols speak delusion. And the word there for idols is teraphim. Mitch talked about it a little in his message. The teraphim were the the household gods. They were gods made out of stone or wood. They were small and they would be kept in the home. And it was something that, that, that they shouldn't have done. It was ungodly. God told them not to do this. But it's something from the other surrounding ungodly uh, nations around them that was brought into Israel. And Israel was o- o- obviously involved in this. And they shouldn't have been. But the teraphim here, it's interesting, the word in the Hebrew is actually plural. Plural. Even though it was used, listen to this church, even though it was used for a single household idol, the word in Hebrew was plural. And, and Zechariah here gives us an understanding. It, it says, For the idols speak delusion. There's something else other there, other than just a stone or a wooden idol. Paul makes it clear in the New Testament that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. He's bringing into the fact that behind these little household stone and wood idols that there is a false god. There is a demonic presence. Here in Zechariah says, for the idols speak delusion." The diviners envision lies and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, the people win their way like sheep. So we see the need for the outpouring of God's Spirit is because of the delusion, because of the lies, because of the false dreams. The things that are comforting in vain. And these these false idols... These false gods, these demonic beings will try to comfort, but the comfort is in vain. Have you ever noticed that? When we're down and out, sometimes we'll get caught up in comforting ourselves with some kind of a substance. We'll comfort ourselves with alcohol or and I heard something that was, in this, it was on secular radio just the other day, talking about the huge increase in the amount of alcohol that's been consumed since the COVID virus has come to our nation. There are people that are taking false comfort in the things of the enemy. Amen? But God's promise He's going to pour His Spirit out when we ask Him to pour His Spirit out. And it's because of the delusion that the people are getting caught up in. In the world we live in today, there's lies, there's delusion, there's false dreams, there's false comfort. We see all these things. In Zechariah, you see his heart being broken here. And he says, therefore the people win their way like sheep. They are in trouble because there is no shepherd. Church, we have lots of shepherds in the United States, lots of shepherds in the world, but are they genuine shepherds that are preaching the truth, that are preparing the church of Jesus Christ for what's coming and to rise up and say, Lord, send your Spirit. pour your Spirit out upon us, Lord. Have your way in these last days. Lord, we're not worried what's coming because we know you're in control. We just want to partner with you. Amen? So Zechariah is saying, God's going to pour his spirit out because of the delusion, because of the false dreams, because people are wandering around like, excuse the expression, dumb sheep. If you've ever had anything to do with sheep, you know they're dumb. There's no question about that. Sheep need a shepherd. We have the chief shepherd who is Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And church, I, pr- I ask you to pray for the shepherds that you know. Pray for the shepherds you know. Because today, there are so many shepherds that are compromising the Word of God. There's so many shepherds that are afraid because the, they're afraid people will leave if they don't preach or teach what the people want to hear. Well, I love you but I'm not going to compromise on what God's Word says. I don't don't want you to leave, church, but one day I'm going to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I'm going to have to give an account for every word that's been spoken from this pulpit. And so my prayer, Lord, I want to be a shepherd, Lord, that you are called that will lead the people with all the delusion in our society, all the different new age things and all the other religions and all the the different spiritual things that we see in the world today. I want to be a, a pastor. I want to be a shepherd that says, just like Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. I know what God's word says, and we're going to live according to the word. And no matter what takes place in the last days, we know that God has everything under control. Amen. In Acts chapter 2, we, we see in scripture where Peter, when this outpouring comes in the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, verse 12, there's a question that Peter's asked. It says, Whatever could this mean? They were going, what on earth going on? And in verse 16, Peter answers. He says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He takes that ancient prophecy and he applies it to the church. Then he says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter's quoting there from Joel. He's applying it to the church. And we need to understand something in this, this passage that he just quotes. It's interesting that God separates the outpouring of the Spirit on his men servants and on his maidservants. So God is making a distinction there that in the last days. The men are going to need something special from God and the women are going to need something special from God and it's not the same thing. And I'll tell you, in the last days, I see it all the time. I see a struggle with men when it comes to pressing in and to drawing close and to desiring God to move in their life and to take that place of headship. In their home, if they're, if they're married, they have children. God's called us to a place of headship, a place of leadership. And so I want to challenge you men in these last days not to be a man that just kind of shrinks back and hides in the corner and says, I'm going to wait till it all plays out. But I want to challenge you men to step up to the plate and to say, Lord, I want to be the man of God that you've called me to be. I want to lead my family in righteousness and holiness. Lord, I want to go forward and partner with you in these last days, no matter what we face. Amen? The women are going to face challenges that are different from the men. But God's telling us there, no matter, I love this, God's telling us there, no matter what you need, men, I'm going to supply it. And women, no matter what you need in this last day, I'm pouring my spirit out on my men and on my women. And everything's going to be all right. Amen. In Joel's prophecy, he says, So I will. Restore to you the years. I love that. There's a restoration that takes place when God pours out His Spirit in our lives. So I want you to notice that God doesn't end this passage of Scripture, this prophetic passage of Scripture talking about the last days as just sheep wandering around, being caught up in delusion. But God says there's hope. Amen? There's hope in the last days. There's hope in Jesus. I will restore to you the years. The phrase there is followed by a description of, of the series of locusts that we talked about earlier. And he's, I want you to get this in your mind because this is more than, than just a lack of food. They were an agricultural society. So not only did they lose all of their food, they lost their entire economy. But, church, there's still hope in Jesus. I said, there's still hope in (laughs) Jesus. In Revelation, it, it talks about a great financial disaster that's going to take place in the whole world. And I don't know if the church is going to be here during that or not, but I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Because my God says there's hope in Him. They had lost their entire economy as a nation. All the people had lost their their personal food. And yet, God says, I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon you. I'm going to bring restoration to my people. What is the answer for our nation today? It's the outpouring of God's Spirit that He's promised in the last days. The answer for our nation is restoration that comes when God begins to move in the hearts of people. I love that today. I want to ask you. Has, has the enemy stolen years from you? Is there, if you haven't noticed, the enemy loves to steal. Jesus said in John 10.10, He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I want to tell you, church, it doesn't matter the years that the enemy has stolen. Our God is able to restore those years. Amen? Amen? I want to speak into the lives of those that have have lost years this morning. You may have lost uh, many years. You may have been caught up in something of the enemy. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's resentment or bitterness. Maybe it's something else that's had a hold in your life year after year. And it's hindered you from God's best. It's hindered you from what God wanted wanted to do in your life and through your life. And church, there's a message in this passage today. God is a God who restores the years the enemy has taken away. Amen. Amen. And I believe there's those here today. I believe that when I was praying earlier that the Lord shared on my, laid on my heart that there are those here today, and this is hitting you at home. You feel like, yes, the enemy has stolen. He's stolen not only months, not only days, but he's stolen years from my life. And I want God to restore everything that's been stolen from me. Verse 25, he says, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. And it shall come to pass afterward, verse 28, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. So Joel and Zechariah both take the physical need of rain and they use it to make a spiritual point. And I want you to really let this sink in. Think about this. This prophecy of Joel is taken, and Peter quotes all that passage and applies it to the church. There was the former rain and the latter rain that came to Israel for the crops to be planted and to be harvested. And on the day of Pentecost, a lot of theologians believe that was the planting rain. The church was planted. And there's a whole lot of theologians that believe that the latter rains, the great rain for the harvest of souls in this world. I want you to look at, at, a, at another verse in Acts. Look at verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now that's at the end of this prophecy here that Peter's been quoting. He's talking about the sun will be turned into the darkness, the moon into blood, therefore the coming of the before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. But he 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 ends this prophecy. He takes it. From Joel, and he plants it in the, in the midst of the church. This is for the church, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Many Bible theologians take that verse and they tell you this speaks of a last day revival. It speaks of a great outpouring of the Spirit of God. It speaks of God moving and that latter rain being poured out in the earth and God reaping a great harvest of souls in the last days. Church, that's hope. Amen. That's hope. That's exciting. That's what the church needs to be looking forward to. I, I enjoy looking at all the other things like who are the witnesses and revelation and You know, what's the mark of the beast? Is it that new computer chip that's smaller than a grain of rice that they slip into your hand? Those things are interesting. It's fun to to look at those and, and speculate about them. But church, we should be excited that God's promised us there's going to be a great latter rain. He's going to pour His Spirit out on the church, and the church is going to reap the greatest harvest that we have ever reaped around the world. When I look at the book of Acts, if you look at it in that way, it stirs something in your heart. On this day, Peter stands up, he preaches a message, and it says, 3,000 souls said yes to Jesus. Amen? I believe we're going to see great auditoriums or, or football fields filled with people coming to hear the gospel. And we're going to see thousands of people coming and making a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Does anybody like that idea? Something else I see here. In Joel chapter 4, verse 30, and then it's repeated in Acts chapter 2. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke, Now we're not told what what the the blood, the fire, the pillars of smoke. Some uh, Bible scholars believe that it's talking about war. Which could fit in with Matthew chapter 24 and the narrative that Jesus gave there. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke. But it doesn't do harm to the the context of the, the original writing to say that that fire could also be the fire of God. I believe there's going to be the fire of God burning. Yes, even now we see cities that are on fire. We see looting and riots and things that are taking place. We see wars and rumors of wars. But church, at the same time, the fire of God is coming and purifying the church. The fire of God is is burning out the dross in our lives. And we're going to be that bride that's spotless and ready for His return. Amen? Amen? In verse 31, it says, And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Then verse 32, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that. I love that. I want you to picture this. There's one more thing, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Traditionally, there was a time of rain that came before the harvest. And what's interesting is that the planting rain came, but the harvest rain that came before the harvest was seven times greater than the planting rain. And if you apply that spiritually, I'm believing God for an outpouring of His Spirit that's greater than what we see in the book of Acts. And I believe that. Dr. Don believes that. You're ready for that, aren't you, brother? And I want to ask you, Picture yourself in the book of Acts. Picture an outpouring of the Spirit of God that's even greater. Where we see thousands of people filling stadiums, coming to Jesus. Where the Holy Spirit's working through us and we encounter people that need Him every day. And, and we have a holy boldness and we're saying, let me tell you, I'm not worried about what's taking place in the world. I'm not worried about the election. I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me uh, what happens in this world because I know that God is in control. But I'm believing for an outpouring of the Spirit of God in the last days that's going to be greater than what we read about in the book of Acts. And I want to ask you, are you praying for that? We started prayer this last week not only on Sunday nights, but we're praying at noon. Every day we have the church open from noon to one. For anyone that lives close enough or works close enough that they want to come into the church and, and spend a a few moments of prayer during that hour. And several made it uh, every day, just about. And I believe that we're doing exactly what Zechariah called us to do. We're, we're praying, not only for our election, I, I tell you to pray for the election, pray for our nation, pray for our governor, and, and all those in leadership. The Bible tells us to do that. But church... Really, whoever wins, God's still in control and the church is going to rise up in the last days. We're going to be empowered by the Spirit of God to face whatever challenges we face. We're going to be that spotless bride. Amen? So I want to encourage you, like Zechariah, ask for the latter rain in the time of the latter rain. Don't just take it for granted, but cry out to God. Cry out to the Lord. Lord, we we want your reign. Amen. I want you to stand with me. In just a moment, we're going to have something exciting, but I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward. We're having some more baptisms today. And one thing, we're even having some parents baptize their children, so that's exciting. But before we do, I want to ask our prayer team to come forward. You heard Ardell's testimony earlier today. Our Lord's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe there's areas in your life that you desire the Lord to bring restoration that the enemy has stolen from you. Possibly years that he's stolen from you. And today the Lord wants to bring that restoring reign of His presence. So whatever your need is today, our prayer team desires to agree with you in prayer. Maybe you want to just come and agree with Pastor Lyle and say, Pastor Lyle, I want to ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. Amen. But whatever your need is today, if you want to, we're going to just take a few minutes. Because we're a church that believes in the power of prayer. We believe in responding to the Lord. Taking a step of faith and coming forward and and agreeing with a brother and sister in Christ. So as Mitch and the worship team begins to lead us in a worship chorus, if you have anything on your heart today that you desire for the Lord to intervene, will you come? Will you come? Thank you, Jesus. There's
1: nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare your living be your presence, Lord. And I've tasted and seen the sweetest of love. She be
0: be seated. They're getting the kids ready for the baptismal service. While while they're getting ready, I want to share a couple of things with you about baptism. Water baptism is a time of great deliverance in our lives. We should expect the waters of baptism just as with Israel's passage through the Red Sea to sever all the connections with the slavery of the past. Amen? <laughs> it's also the, a time that we believe just as with Egypt's host being drowned that the Lord will break the back of any residual bonds administered, by any tormenting things of the enemy and circumstances from the past. There are also benefits to water baptism. Baptism provides an occasion for a heavenly announcement or approval to your soul. You remember when Jesus was baptized, his Father in heaven said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Right? We should expect the same thing when we're baptized. That the Lord will just speak to our hearts His approval. Baptism provides a setting for spiritual breakthrough in our circumstances. Baptism opens the way to a ceaseless overflowing of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. So today as these candidates come forward for water baptism, it's a time for us to rejoice. Amen? It's a time for us to be excited and remember when we were baptized and what the Lord's done for us. Now here's some doors, so maybe they're about there. Hey, we're ready. For those of you who may not know, I'm actually married, I, but you never see her in church because she's always downstairs with the kids, so I just wanted to clarify that. Hi, honey.
2: <laughs> this is Ethan, and Ethan, have you asked Jesus into your heart? Yes, and when we do that, we make a commitment to Christ. So upon your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to baptize you in just a moment here. Hi Dayton, how you doing? Here in the middle kind of. Hey guys, this is Dayton. Uh, so Dayton, have you asked Jesus into your heart?: Yes. Yes. So Dayton, upon your confession of faith, I'm going to baptize you. gabby hi hi gabby have you asked jesus into your heart oh good well i'm going to baptize you in just a moment here uh, because of your confession of faith in jesus christ Hey, Josh. Hey, Josh, you're a little bit older. Do you want to say anything about what you've been doing? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Have you asked Jesus into your heart? Okay, you ready to be baptized? All right. Okay. So, Josh, I baptize you upon your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I baptize you in the name of the Father. direction to walk in the newness of life, you ready? Okay. <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> Y'all, this is Wyatt. Wyatt, do you love Jesus? Yes. Is he in your heart? All right, I'm going to baptize you in just a second here. Upon your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of our Savior's death and raised in the likeness of our Savior's resurrection to walk in the newness of life. Amen.
0: Amen. Oh, what fun. Well, let's stand and close in prayer today. Father, we're so thankful for all of these young students, Lord, that have made a confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank You that they've asked You into their lives to be their Lord and to be their Savior. Lord, we bless them today. We pray that they would continue to grow to be mighty men and women of God all the days of their lives. Lord, that they would never, Lord, become complacent towards the things of God. Lord, that You would just bless them. Lord, have Your way in their lives. Lord, partner with them in these last days to stand strong. And to be the witness, Lord, that You've called them to be. Lord, we thank You and we praise You. We love You today, Lord. And we thank You that in these last days, You are pouring out Your Spirit upon Your church. Lord, our hearts join with Zachariah today and say, Lord, pour Your Spirit out on us. Lord, as we leave this place today, just bless each and every one of us. In Jesus' glorious name, Amen. Amen. If you're a guest here today, again, I'll be at the coffee shop and I'd love to get to meet you.